I lead us in a prayer together. Abba, Father, God of mercy, it is our plea now that you would speak to us through the scriptures. Please give us hearts that are ready to hear and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for having me. It's really, really nice to be here. Thanks for your very warm welcome, and it's lovely to spot a couple of unexpected familiar faces in the crowd, Um, so really happy to be here. Um, Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 1? If you've got a Bible, it's um, towards the end. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, I'll read the first little bit. Um, I'll read chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, and we'll, we'll look at that, and we'll sort of jump off and f- see a few other things in this letter as well. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Well, guys, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? Have you got a podcast on the go? Have you got a a favorite playlist at the moment? What are you listening to? What's going round and round your head? Is it maybe an annoying jingle from an advert or um, a nursery rhyme from the car like me? What is it that's going round and round in your head? If that's the kind of surface level things that we're listening to, can we like go a level deeper? What is it that you're listening to underneath all of that? What is it that's really filling your mind? Is it your news app homepage, the COVID numbers? Is it your social media feeds? What is it that's, that's filling your mind? There's the kind of surface level, isn't there? The stuff that we're sort of choosing to listen into. Then there's that kind of slightly deeper level. But can we go even another level down? What is it that you're that you're really listening to. Deep in your heart, what is it that's, that's driving you, that's controlling and directing you? What are you listening to most deeply? Maybe it's fear and anxiety of any number of things. Maybe, sadly, it's loss and grief. Maybe it's bravado. You, you think you're actually nailing it at the moment. What is it, the, the kind of message, the, the narrative that's, that's driving you? What are you listening to? 
Now, sermons are full of rhetorical questions, aren't they? But can we make this a real question? <laughs> can you actually write down, if you've got a piece of paper or your phone, can you think just for a second? What comes to mind as I ask those questions? What are you listening to deep down? I'll give you a second. What are you listening to? Well, it's, it's a new year, and of course, it's a fresh opportunity, isn't it, to, to kind of press reset, get that tiny button, restore factory settings as we start this new year, to select the soundtrack that we, that we want to listen to this year. What will the soundtrack be for you in 2022? And I start with this because this letter to the Galatians, it, it helps us to set the soundtrack to set the soundtrack that we need to listen to this year. It's uncompromising. It doesn't give us a lot of choice. It sets it out for us in a super clear way. And it's very countercultural, isn't it? Because the world around us all is saying, you know, choose your message. Choose whatever you want to listen to. You be you. But God, God has showed up in history. He's showed up time and time again, and most clearly and publicly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the baby that we've been celebrating at Christmas, isn't it? That baby was God himself, come into the darkness, come to bring life and light and forgiveness and freedom. And this is where the gospel comes, this God entering our broken world to bring forgiveness and freedom. This momentous, life-changing, life-giving message from God. And this must be the soundtrack to our lives. It must be. Galatians 1 gives us a couple of reasons why and an implication from that. First reason is this. The gospel is from God himself. It's from God himself. Look again with me at verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. A few years back, my grandma, she's 98 now, she and her um, husband, my granddad, they got one of those beautiful thick cards from Buckingham Palace for their 70th wedding anniversary. Isn't that amazing? Um, when you get to that stage, you get these letters from Buckingham Palace, which would be pretty cool. And um, she showed it off very proudly when we went to visit. And of course, the first question I'm asking is, yeah, but is it really from the Queen? <laughs> like, does she really sign it? It's probably just one of her minions, isn't it? And I, I think it was, sadly. Um, but Paul, when he starts this letter, he couldn't be clearer. He's ramming this point from the get-go, isn't he? This message is not from any random person. It's not from any human being. It's from God himself. He wasn't sent by any person, but God and Jesus Christ. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, that just means someone who's sent, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. You see, Galatia, this region of churches, was in a state of emergency because Paul had been there probably just a year or two before and planted all these churches. They'd received the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They got going, great, wonderful start. But then other people came in with another message, distorting and perverting the gospel, adding to it. And so now the question is, who are they going to listen to? Who are they going to follow? And to settle it, Paul couldn't be clearer. 
Why is the gospel I gave you? It's not from any person. It's not just a human message. It's from God himself. That is the source of the gospel. It's not just human ideas. It's not just human interpretation of things. It's from God himself. And so he goes on in the next little bit, verse 11, if you look down. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now that revelation, if you've read a bit of the New Testament, you might have seen it. Paul famously was, was out on his way to persecute Christians. You're literally on his way to arrest and imprison Christians for their faith in Jesus. He couldn't have been more against the gospel. And yet Jesus appeared to him, the risen Lord Jesus, physically stopped him in his tracks, turned his life around and gave him this message to pass on. Jesus himself, direct revelation. Now, you and I, we probably, as far as I'm aware, didn't have that experience um, I imagine we were taught the gospel and it was passed on to us. And that's great. That is God's plan. That's what we're to do now. Maybe it was someone at this very church, a friend or a family member. That's all good. But the point here is what about the very beginning? Has it just been an endless chain and we can never really work out where it began? No. Direct revelation from God the Father and Jesus Christ. You can trace it all the way back through church history to those very first apostles. And they got it from Jesus Christ. That was the starting point. Now, we might feel a bit shortchanged by that. We might think, oh, well, hooray for Paul. <laughs> but poor old me, you know, I've got a slightly less exciting story. Someone just told me, and here I am, I guess. But no, we can take massive confidence from this because this is where it began. It's not just another set of human ideas. It's not just another hobby. It's not just another interest. It is from God himself. Let's have confidence. We can have great confidence in this message, in the scriptures, in the faithful preaching and teaching of the scriptures. It's from God himself. Now, let's be real. This really requires us to swim against the tide, doesn't it? Because everything in our culture is all about equality, 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 equality. And that is usually a very good thing. But it's applied to religious thinking, isn't it? It's applied to whatever your kind of religious ideas might be. And so if I'm at the play park chatting to a dad and you know, I share something about Jesus or my Christian faith, he'll probably just think, oh, okay, yeah, that's his thing. And kind of like my Muslim neighbor or lady down the road who likes yoga. It's all kind of, you know, whatever you're into. This couldn't be more different, could it? The origins of the gospel are God himself, the creator God. His good news about his son, Jesus Christ. Now you might be thinking, well, of course, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're quite new to these things. You might think, well, that's what they all say, isn't it? <laughs> that's what they all claim. Well, and to be clear, it's not, actually. <laughs> Some people do put a very prominent role on a human founder. But even those that do, none of them come close to the historical reliability of the Scriptures. Do talk that through more with someone if, if you'd like to. For now, 
here's where I'd love the rubber to hit the road for us. This is where it's hit the road for me this week. I don't know about you. Do my friends realize that this is what I think? Did they realize that I believe a message, I'm staking my life and my eternity on this message because it's from God himself? Or can they just dismiss it as another hobby? Maybe that's a question worth chatting with each other about at some point. Well, here's the second reason why the gospel must be the soundtrack to our lives. Secondly, because the gospel is the only way to grace and peace. Look at verse 3 with me. Galatians 1 verse 3. He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. It's, it's the opening phrase for all of Paul's letters. Um, but it's not just an empty formula. It's not just a generic greeting. No, he always says it because it's a wonderfully succinct summary of the gospel. Grace and peace. I don't know if you've got a favorite comedian on YouTube or whatever. Um, a few years back, Michael McIntyre was the big deal. Not really anymore, sadly. But um, do you, have you heard the salt and pepper sketch? It's great. You've got all the kind of condiments in the kitchen, in the cupboards, looking on enviously at salt and pepper. We're in the middle of the table. What have they got? They say, here we are, cumin and paprika and whatever. What have they got that we don't have? Why are they always there? And it's true, they are, aren't they? Salt and pepper. Like, they're always there in the middle of the table or on the side of the table with all these other random ones that you use once a decade stacked away. Salt and pepper, they're the standard. They're in the middle of the table. Well, for the Christian, forget S&P, G&P, okay? Grace and peace. Grace and peace are in the middle of the table. They are what it's all about. They are the heart of the gospel. Grace and peace. Grace just means gift. I don't know how your gifts were this Christmas. Um, My wife, Beth, and I always have a slightly awkward Christmas morning because I'm terrible at presents. I really am really bad at giving good presents. I try, but I'm hopeless. She, on the other hand, is brilliant. So we have this very unbalanced experience where poor Beth is opening them all and saying, oh, thanks, my love. (laughs) Whereas she's giving me genuinely cool presents. So that's us anyway. Well, what is this grace? What is this gift from God? Verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Jesus gave himself for our sins. That's what our sins cost. Jesus himself, the most beautiful person who's ever lived, perfect integrity and righteousness and justice, goodness, Sins cost him. It's so easy to forget this, isn't it? So easy to forget the gravity of this. The song says, It was my sin that nailed him there until it was accomplished. Now, we all suffer in this world. Of course we do, some more than others. But we also all sin in this world. We're all sinners. We all need a saviour. Our little girl, Clemmy, who's at home, who's nearly two, I couldn't love her more. I love her to bits. She is beautiful. She's amazing in all sorts of ways. But it is staggering that you don't have to teach a child to sin. You really don't. 
She's so little and sweet, bless her, but she's pretty disobedient. <laughs> she knows already. Like, she doesn't know many things, but she knows how to disobey. You can tell she's doing it. It's incredibly hard to get her to say thank you. We've nailed please, because she knows she gets things when she says please. <laughs> but to say thank you, it's much harder. Sometimes she even lashes out and hits one of us. You know, she doesn't understand fully what she's doing, but it's all there from day one. This is us, guys. This is the human condition from day one. There's disobedience, ungratefulness, rebelliousness. We need a savior. And as we get older, we just find ways to dress it up, don't we? We dress it up with excuses. We cover it up with a facade. But the only way the holy creator God could save us from our sins, from all of this mess and from the judgment that they merit, the only way is if he would come into this world as a human being, as Jesus, and put himself on death row in our place. That's what he did. Later in this letter, Paul says, chapter 2, verse 20, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Let that sink in. I'm sure in this room that some of us maybe haven't personally received this for ourselves, but this is the heart of what Jesus did. The Son of God loved me, gave himself for me. So someone who knows us completely, fully, intimately, knows the deepest things, all that there is about our hearts and how complex we are. He knows it all, and he loves us perfectly, fully, eternally. Do you know any love like that? There is no love like that but Jesus. Let that sink in. The Son of God loved me. When he went to the cross, his eternal mind had me in view. Had you individually in view. Staggering. And the result of this, verse 4, he gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. That's what we live in, isn't it? This, this world, this age, since the beginning, since our first parents turned away from God. It's been an evil age. But in Jesus, with his death and resurrection, everything has been changed. There's a new creation now, which we can enter simply through faith in Jesus, through receiving this gift. It begins now and it will go on forever. After this broken, evil, mess up world, is beautifully restored and remade. Grace. Grace. This is the gospel, friends. Grace and peace. Peace as well. Grace and peace to you. Verse 3. Now for me, one of the most moving images of Christmas is that old um, Christmas truce. Did you learn about this in school or something? World War I and the Christmas truce. Staggering events. Um, you know, they're in the trenches, the German, the British, the French soldiers the most bloody, gruesome war, and then Christmas Day, and it's as if they, they can't help themselves. This spontaneous, unplanned ceasefire. They come out of the trenches, exchanging cigarettes and gifts and things, singing carols arm in arm, even kicking a football around. Such a compelling image. Previous day, firing machine guns at each other, and now laughing and embracing each other. It's compelling, but it's also kind of bittersweet, isn't it? Because the next day, we're back to it. 
And that's the real world. That's war, isn't it? And I, I think this is such a compelling image because I just wonder if we kind of feel like we identify with it. I don't know how your Christmas was. Um, but it, maybe it was a slightly surreal moment of kind of fun and festivity. It was just escapism, really. <laughs> kind of extended family get together and you sort of, you know, have a fun time, play a few games, and then you will slope off again back to our little corners and our different factions and rivalries and bitterness. <laughs> Was it just like a surreal moment in the middle of all that? Back to the real world, back to reality, back to war. <laughs> Many people in our world, we're, we're enemies with each other, aren't we? And the Bible says we're actually enemies with God because of our sin. But friends, this is the gospel, that God loved his enemies and gave his son Jesus to bring us an eternal peace, an eternal ceasefire, an eternal peace with us as our loving Father. Did you notice verse 1, Paul speaks of God the Father. Verse 3, he speaks of God our Father. Verse 4, God our Father. Paul is just overflowing with joy that God, the eternal God, should become our Father. He's adopted us as his children goes on in chapter 4 to say that we are God's sons. And that's guys and girls, by the way. Because in that day, it was only the sons who got the inheritance. But now, equally, men and women, we inherit God's blessing of his fatherhood and his love and his eternal gift of life. It says, God sent the spirit of his son, Jesus, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, as we just sang a minute ago. It says, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir. This is peace, knowing God as our Father, a compassionate, loving Father. And that expresses itself in prayer. Abba, Father. It's the cry of our hearts. Abba was the, the word Jesus would have used in prayer. It's an Aramaic word. It just means daddy. It's the everyday word for your dad. God has become our Abba. Father. You could say prayer is the point of the gospel. Grace and peace expressing itself in prayers, talking to God, enjoying him as our Father. I don't know how you feel about prayer at the moment. And maybe it's New Year, you started some resolutions, or you're going to try some new habits, or things like that. Or maybe it's all quite new to you, you don't really get prayer, it's all a bit weird. But prayer is the point of the gospel. Knowing and enjoying God as our Father. Every day it's, it's the highlight when I come home. However the day has been, whether it's been stressful or painful or discouraging or whatever it's been, even if it's been the worst day, little Clemmy toddles up to me saying, Daddy! Fills my heart with joy. That is how God feels. And turn to him in prayer. Fills his heart with joy. Abba, Father peace. Grace and peace. So where's the G and P? Is it, is it in the middle of the table of your life, of your church? Or is it tucked away in the cupboard? Center place on the table. It's the heart of the gospel, grace and peace. And God's blessings, they're always designed to overflow. Always. So grace and peace, they will radically transform our relationships, won't they? If we've received this kind of grace, this kind of peace from God our Father, it will radically affect the way we love each other. And that will be powerful as we hold out this gospel to London. As they see grace at work amongst us like nowhere else. 
So they see peace between us like nowhere else. Grace and peace is what we speak. Grace and peace is what we live. And so here's the obvious thing for the preacher to say. Come on! Let's have urgency as we share this gospel to London. Let's get about it. Let's be urgent. This is the only way people can receive grace and peace from God. It's urgent. And that's completely true. But is it just me or does that not really work? (laughs) We can't just beat ourselves up, can we, with a stick saying, come on, get to it. It doesn't work for me anyway. Maybe you too are feeling pretty defeated, deflated, discouraged. How long has it been since you had a you know, substantial conversation with someone about the gospel? Maybe weeks, months, years. But Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We'll only speak the gospel if we are delighting in the gospel. It's very telling that Paul begins with this, grace and peace, because he's got some hard things to say in this letter. He doesn't mince his words. But his first word is not, guys, sort it out, you're a mess. Come on, get out there. It's grace and peace. Grace and peace. Our gospel-sharing efforts will utterly fail unless we're delighting in this message. Delight in it. It's so good. There's nothing like it. There's no one like Jesus. This is the soundtrack that the Galatians needed. Grace and peace. Get that central. Get it deep in your hearts so that you can share it with the world around you. It's what we need, isn't it? Grace and peace. But having done that, having done that, he does then have seriously strong words for the Galatians. Were you shocked as I was reading it? It's pretty strong, isn't it? Because this is the necessary implication of all of this. If the gospel is from God himself, and it's the only way to grace and peace, then, verse 6, I'm astonished, he says, that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Strong language. Shocking language. What's going on here? Well, verse 6, they're quickly deserting the God who's called them. They received the gospel just a year or two before, and now they're turning away to a different gospel, which makes it no gospel at all. Jesus is the only way to grace and peace, to be rescued from our sins and from this present evil age. They're deserting it. They're turning away, but it's a counterfeit. It's fake. It's not the good news. Some people are throwing them into confusion. As you read Galatians, the problem is that you know, Christianity had emerged from Judaism. Okay, Jesus, the Jew, fulfilling all the Old Testament, the Savior for the world, for all nations. But there were, there were people at that time who were saying, no, 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 look, we've we, we still got to do all of that Jewish stuff, all the Old Testament. We've got to keep it all. Yeah, okay, start with the gospel. Jesus is great, but now you've got to add a whole load of stuff to it. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to fulfill all the Old Testament law. Then you can know the grace and peace of God. 
But you see, it completely nullifies the grace of God. It, it takes away the free gift that God is giving us. And it robs us of the peace of God. We'll never feel we've done enough. Grace and peace, it, it's, this is not the gospel. To add anything to what Jesus has done, to suggest that we can do anything that secures our standing with God, it means you've lost the gospel. Paul is so clear. No, simply faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us in his body for our sins on the cross. Simply look to the cross and trust him and receive that free gift. It is a perversion of the gospel to add anything to that. Now, this might sound a million miles away from us. I mean, come on, like, Johnny, what do you want about that? I'm not, no one's tempting me to get circumcised. <laughs> okay, what's this got to do with us? It might be closer than we think. Because these troublemakers were, were teaching the Galatians that they should move on from the gospel. Start with the gospel, fine. But now it's time for you to move on up, graduate to the next level. Does that sound a bit more familiar, maybe? might sound harmless. It might even sound good. But it's hellish. He says, let them be under God's curse. Anyone who's suggesting that you can move on from the gospel, let them be under God's curse. Go to hell, he's saying. Shocking language. Now, of course, there's, there's infinite riches to explore in God's words. Okay, we'll never get to the bottom of it as we get to know God better and go deeper in the enjoyment of his word in your focus groups or your equip events. There's so much to explore and to enjoy and to dig into. But it's only ever going deeper into Christ, deeper into the gospel. We're not moving on from the gospel, leaving that behind. No, we just go deeper into Christ exploring the riches of him in whom are hidden all the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge. See, the Bible is full of images of us as God's people like trees and, and vines and plants like this, okay? Now, I don't know if you've tried planting anything in your, I'm sure, your massive London gardens. <laughs> Maybe a pot plant or a herb on the windowsill or something. <laughs> but how's it going to grow? Okay, It's not going to grow by constantly uprooting it and shoving it in another pot and another plant and another thing on your window. So that's not how plants are served. Plants grow by staying where they are and everything being done to encourage their roots to go deeper. We're not like animals that can move around and try a bit of that, this, try a bit of that, go to that field and try a bit of that. No, we're like plants. It stays where it is in the gospel, in Christ. It goes deeper and deeper as we grow. So important we get this, that Paul reserves this really strong language for this issue. He doesn't talk like this every day, okay, <laughs> on every page of his letters. Go to hell. He doesn't say that lightly. But the gospel is at stake. Knowing Jesus is at stake. Receiving God's grace and peace is at stake. We move on from the gospel, we lose the gospel. So I began with that question, what are you listening to? And as we end, I'd love you to think about what you will listen to. What do you want to listen to this year? In fact, let's get more realistic than that, shall we? What about tomorrow? <laughs> okay, what do you want to listen to tomorrow? What do you want to fill your minds and your hearts? 
The gospel is from God himself. It is the only way to grace and peace. So we mustn't move on from it. Let's stand on the gospel and go deeper into the gospel this year. And as we do that, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I pray that God will do that in us and amongst us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you that you have become our Father in the gospel. Jesus Christ, we praise you for coming, for living in this broken, messed up world and going to that cross out of love for me, for us individually, giving yourself for our sins, our very real and very shameful offense against you and against God your Father. Thank you for your offer of utter sheer grace. Our sins, they are many, but your mercy is more. And Lord, we know that you've called us to share this great good news, the saviour that the world needs from this present evil age. So many people in our city, in our lives, who need this message, but Lord, we are weak. And we need you to give us fresh, real, tangible delight in this message. So would you do that in us so that we might speak freely, confidently, gladly of Jesus? We ask in his name. Amen.